Welcome to Chain Reaction, Tales from the Supply Chain Frontline, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the complex and fascinating world of international trade. In each episode, we'll dive into specific aspects of the supply chain and hear from executives across all sectors to understand the challenges occurring and the solutions put in place. Whether you're an executive with a solution or an executive in need of one, stay tuned because Chain Reaction has something or someone for you. And of course, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with your friends. Welcome to another episode of Chain Reaction, Tales from the Supply Chain Frontlines. Today, we have with us a special guest, somebody that actually goes back to my past and to his past. We've worked together uh, in a customer-vendor relationship in one of his previous roles. Peter Dill is a 30-year supply chain and procurement veteran in the business here in Houston, currently serving as a, as a senior manager over Huntsman Chemicals. Previously, he was a president at ISM in Houston. Also, he served our country as a formal naval officer. So I'm very honored to have Mr. Peter Dill here as a guest on Chain Reaction. Peter, did I miss anything? Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate being here, Jeff, and certainly our relationship in the past and, and even going forward. So yeah, I've been in this space, supply chain procurement for about 30 years. I spent, cut my teeth on supply chain at General Motors, where I bought on the direct, indirect side, did, did some logistics there as well. Siva Logistics, where Jeff and I knew each other from, buying and selling ocean freight around the world. And then FMC Technologies, buying on the oil and gas side, subsea type stuff. So I, I tell people about the only thing I haven't bought is food, as far as going back and forth. But really, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the global aspect of it. Spent 16 years living overseas doing various things. I'm going to start off with a with a question. I know you and I, we've been talking for a little bit here off camera, but can you maybe go into the difference between direct and indirect supply chain or procurement? Absolutely. So uh, for folks who aren't so close to supply chain, direct is anything that, that you buy that uh, feeds directly, really bolts on, or you send out the door to your customers. So for computers, it'd be like computer chips. For cars, it'd be car parts and metal and, and lighting and seating and all those types of things. Uh, for the chemical industry, typically we buy one chemical, uh, do some stuff to it, refine it, and sell it as another uh, set of molecules for suppliers to do things with it. And, and sometimes that varies. On the indirect side, uh, examples of those things would be everything else. So for instance, travel, uh, computers that are used, furniture, the machinery in your manufacturing plant, uh, the buildings, uh, really everything else that you need to still, IT would be another thing, everything you need to make that business run. Sometimes, depending on the company, something could be direct when it would be indirect another. Great example of that is say credit cards. Most companies, credit card and that service would be indirect. However, if your company is MasterCard, that's a different story. So that's the main difference between direct and indirect. Both are vital to an industry typically or a company. Typically direct spend tends to be three quarters of what you're, what you're spending on because that's where you spend most of your money. But as you can imagine, if you're suddenly buying or constructing a 
a manufacturing plant or a chemical plant, that can be a big spin and that can be millions and can be capital. You have had roles in both, right? You've done indirect, you've done direct. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a preference? Well, I, I, ha- I hate to say I, I, have, I have a preference. I, I've lately in the past number of years, I've been more on the indirect side. The thing that's the indirect space tends to be a much wider and broader set of categories. So if you can imagine, say here at, at Huntsman, there's a lot of different chemicals to buy, but usually you're assigned a category, whether you're indirect or direct. And typically on the, on the direct side, you you, know, you put out bids, you do those things, but you're dealing with a, a smaller group of categories because we never have enough people at any company to do what we need to do. And generally, you know that category deeper and you can really get into a lot more of the cost drivers and those type of things. Typically on the indirect side, most leaders and managers and individual contributors are responsible for a wider variety of, of things, still in the same general area, but you tend to be more of a, a master of many more things, many more categories. So it can be frustrating because you sometimes you can't get as deep into a category as you want as far as knowledge base, but you have a lot more variety, a lot more, I will say, excitement. And I'll put that, put that in a good way on the indirect side. So let's get into excitement. I, I always joke with my family that nobody ever knew what I did for a living. until around 2020. And then all of a sudden I was immediately catapulted to the most popular guy in the meeting because it's always been, we're just trying to get with the logistics guys and the supply chain guys. All of a sudden I was meeting with presidents of companies and fairly high level. We were very important for a small window of time. And now my family knew what I did. Take us back to your side of covid and what that looked like in terms of bottlenecks and where you see us now and moving forward. Okay, absolutely. Everybody has their COVID stories. And uh, first of all, I, I want to echo what you said about business in general, understanding a lot more about supply chain and wanting to know more about supply chain during COVID. And that was echoed at, at the recent ISM national conference I just attended up in Grapevine, Texas. We had about over 2,000 supply chain professionals there, including an interesting keynote speaker named George Bush, who had, had some interesting things to say. I'll tell you a really interesting story about, about COVID. Everyone has them, and a lot, a lot of have them on this particular topic. So we were I got tasked to lead a team for, for national indirect on PPE, masks, just think masks and those type yeah, of things. Yeah. And I think everybody had some of these stories, but mine is that we needed masks, we needed them fast, nobody had them, or if they if they did have them, like a Granger, one of these major distributors, they said, well, we've got to prioritize hospitals and some of these other areas, which, which certainly is understandable. You think about things like supplier relationship management. That's when your relationships really happen. You're not trying to do anything under the table or legal, but you're trying to leverage those relationships to take care of your company. Well, we were really struggling at one point. And so I said, well, I'm going to get out there and get creative. So what I decided I would do was go straight to Home Depot. And of course, my management and teams around me said, that's not what you do. That's not how we buy. We don't go to Home Depot and buy masks. Well, everyone else I've called the normal channels are saying, no, don't have any. So I went over there and asked and talked to the manager and, and, and I was literally going to buy things off the shelf if I had to. If I saw a pallet of those suckers, I was going to pull out my credit card and buy it, which right. is also 
basically breaking the rules too, as you know, you have to set up a contract, blah, blah, blah. Well, to, to, to my little bit of surprise, not only did they not have pallets on, they didn't have sort of any. I bought what they had so we could bring something back, but it wasn't, wasn't anything significant when you talk about helping with a, a, a major chemical plant. And then I thought, I talked and just started talking. I said, well, what do you think? Who knows? He goes, well, I heard the tractor supply might have something. So I thought this is really getting funny, but I was just enjoying myself. So I said, I'll go over to tractor supply. And I said, what do you got? You know, maybe in the back or something like that is yeah. It's maybe some of your listeners know they're known for being a farm and implement type store. They literally sometimes are selling not only hammers and nails and and feed for you know farmers, but they're also have little chicks, live chicks in the background in little yeah. pens sometimes. Anyway, so I walked in there, just thought I'd talk my way and see what happened. And they said, Well, I yeah, I've been a few people asking, I don't know. Well, we might have a few in our in our warehouse in Tennessee. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, well, how many do you have in your warehouse in Tennessee? He said, 10,000. And I pulled out my expense card and said, I'll have those and I'll take them right now. Now I will say it took, it took about an hour and a half or two hours of talking to so-and-so and this, that, and they weren't used to somebody doing that. I wasn't used to doing that. That quite frankly, isn't even authorized at my company, yeah. but I had the, I had the authority to make that decision. Wow. Untracked. We weren't doing all the things we normally do, but that's the time you got to get creative. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I went back there a week or two later and somebody else had figured that out and they didn't have any more. But that, that's the kind of example of creative thinking sometimes you have to do. And you and I know about in the logistics end of things, ocean freight, air freight, sometimes you have to get creative on a regular basis. So that that's my COVID story. And I guess the example would be you know, like, like the book we'll talk about a little bit, you control what you can, you get out there, do what you need to do, make sure you have the authority from your company to do it. But sometimes you got to get out there and get after it. You have to stretch it. Yep. And you know, the, the, you had to do a lot of maneuvering during that time. And yep. you did something that's out of the ordinary, right? You were going up and talking to people. And that's not yep. a topic for today, but I encourage so many people, my kids included, who one who's looking for a job, pick up the phone, go talk to the manager face to face and ask him what you need to do to get that job. Because absolutely, I'm finding that people too often just accept the first answer is the only answer or, you know, that there is no. Well, and I'll, I'll say something real quick about that. I learned from somebody in sales recently. He said, you know what no means? Not yet. And I said, no, I don't know. Well, not yet, but it also means next opportunity. Yeah. Well, and, and I like that. Understand you're going to get a lot of no's in this world, especially in the job market, whether you're looking for your first job or your 23rd. And yeah, that's just part of life. That is right. And, uh, and you know me from a, as a, as a vendor, right? I don't, I don't accept that. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of finding where the challenge is, right? And so when you're actually a, a customer who's trying to find something, you got to go and, and be more, you have to push, push, push. So yeah, I like that. You went to Home Depot and even though your company boundaries would not let you. So we talked about the categories and, and uh, the differences between direct and indirect and where you guys were at COVID. 
I know what, what I see and what I read in terms of various industry sectors and what the current state of affairs is. And we can kind of extrapolate data to what that means. But can you kind of give us an idea of what the chemical sector looks like pre-COVID, COVID, and then what's happening now in your industry? Well, I'll, I'll share some information that's you know publicly available. And again, I'm more on the indirect side, so I'm buying to support our, our, our chemical plants. But we, we recently had a earnings report and, and some of the things that, that our CEO shared included the following. So a lot of our customers, and I think customers of chemicals are are doing the same thing. They're destocking. So in other words, they're using up the inventory they already have based on inflation and other things going on. And so what does that mean? They're using up the inventory they have to do whatever it is they need to do to make plastic parts and those type of things. But they're so they're holding on buying new stock from companies like ours and others. So that that's that's affected things. Also, products and different things going on. Our our company has a, a fair amount of focus on construction and with the with the inflation, not a lot of new homes being built right now, certainly not not many. And so when we talk about things like insulation and your walls and, and fiberboard and those kind of things, that affects a lot of uh, chemical makers. So those kind of things are going. The other thing that's a, a key factor, I think a lot of people in the chemical industry know, is that when, when you think about chemicals and what else going on out there, there's a certain amount of cost involved in making chemicals and also the energy for the chemicals themselves and also the energy required to do so. So for instance, the price of natural gas, it's, it's currently six times in Europe what it, what it is here in the US. It used to be 10 times. And a lot of that's being affected by, of course, the Ukraine situation. So then it gets into, well, should, should we ship those chemicals over here from the US? Should we dial down production in Europe? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. You know, I can't get into a lot of those details, but that has a big effect of what's going on in the chemical space. And also, how is Europe going to produce energy going forward when they're not, you know, taking pipeline over from from Russia and those type of things? So that has a big effect on on what's going on. Certainly, also the the COVID situation over in China, as this lockdown is is dialing down over in China, demand and need and those kind of things is ramping up. So that that's that's creating. We hope that creates more demand. The other thing I heard over in at the supply chain in ISM conference out in, in Dallas was about when do we think a recession is going to happen? When do we think it's not? What I'm hearing from some of the economists is more of a softer, shorter recession in the second or third quarter of, of this year. So we don't know. You know, Certainly economists have a big caveat at the, every prediction they make, but that's certainly what, what we're hearing, what we're what we're planning for where we are. So I, I kind of want to hammer down on that natural gas price because it is six times higher in Europe than it is here. So you're, you're that leads to a, a much higher feedstock to your product, right? And yep. your industry's product in Europe, their warehouses are full that they're depleting. Are they running or in, this is an industry question. Are you seeing, factories over there run kind of as a, are they closing those down? Are they putting them on hold or are they going to be looking elsewhere to buy supply? That I don't know because I'm more on the indirect side. So I I really can't comment on that. Okay. I was just curious because I I feel like I read that somewhere. Like that's a, that's a concern for Europe and 
So on the indirect side, how are you guys, I guess the direct side gets affected by your entire or affects your indirect spending and budgets as well. Right. Because if plants aren't operating at full, then, then indirect budget goes away. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily go to go away, but I think your comment is more accurate to say that it, it certainly gets affected. And, and we're certainly affected by the inflation uh, of different things. So for instance, one of the categories I have is travel. And we think those, so that's airline, that's, that's rent car, that's hotels and those kind of things. So on one side of the fence, certainly personal travel outside of what I do is uh, roaring back. People have this pent up demand to get out and travel and do some of those things. And they're spending their own dollars to do that or not. Some people are saying, well, we're just going to save because we don't know what's happening this recession. Maybe they're being hit by the high price of food and those things. On the business side, fair amount of travel is coming back because people, sales and procurement, those kind of folks do need to get out and get face-to-face with their customers, as we talked about before. But as we know, on the travel side, think of the airlines. Their business really w- w- was cut in, in many cases, most cases, 90% when, when COVID hit. 90%. If you can imagine any business taking that type of a hit, that's incredible that they're even still here. So what are we balancing there? So a lot of times when you have a situation like this where you're saying, well, we, we need those purchasing supply chain professionals, get out there, do some bids and, and save us some money. Well, think about that for a minute. We're keeping our airline example alive. The time to, I know that United has just ordered, got a huge order book for, for new planes because they're, they're betting and they're saying we're, we're, we're staying in business and we're, we're betting and we're expanding. But you, you can bet. That, that that doesn't mean prices are going down for travel, down for tickets, on the, on the contrary. So maybe it's not the best idea to say, hey, I want to run out, run right out there and do an airline bid. Because guess which way those prices are going with all of the airlines? Up. So you have to really be strategic. Think about what you're doing. Maybe the best thing to do is just, you know, don't wake the sleeping dog or maintain what you've got or hold what you've got. You know, I can tell you, uh, but with hotels, you need to get creative and it comes back to what we're talking about. Let's go talk to people. I'm not going to name names, but I went over to a hotel recently, one of the major chains during COVID. They said, hey, would you like to come over and see our hotel tour? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to see what we're buying, what the facilities like. This hotel manager said, look, I want to show you this place. Looks great. We, we, we stuck to our guns and we went ahead and did this renovation in the middle of COVID, even though it cost them some money and they weren't having guests in their facility, but they thought maybe that's a good time to do this. Okay, great. And I was just there to tour, but we got to talking and he said, well, we'd like some more of your business. I said, well, it's not really happening right now. And, and, and where it happens, it needs to be on a limited basis. And, and, and they said, well, what would it take to get some folks in this, in this nice higher priced hotel? And I said, well, kind of this range of price. And they said, well, you don't understand. That's a, that's a lower level hotel because we, you know, somebody needs to stay, come stay where we are, even to get to travel, they would spend the night at a lower end, not lower, but lower end hotel than what this hotel was. And they said, you know what, we'll give you that price, because we'd rather have somebody in our our hotel maintaining break even rather than nobody in hotel that we've just done a renovation for. That spilled over to another hotel, and I lengthened out the rate and kept it even after COVID subsided for as long as I could. So you really have to get creative talk to people, see what their needs are, see what your needs are and see where you can connect and make some sort of something work for both sides. Heads on beds on that story. Heads on beds. Yep. Absolutely. What it sounds, you know, we kind of went into the natural gas prices and then 
Home Depot, COVID. And I really like how you touched on the travel and companies are having a different approach, it sounds like, but some are going ahead and they're, you know, United is buying a whole bunch of planes because they're banking on travel prices going up and companies are going to go ahead and do that. I almost want to say that the, there's a theme to your story that you control what you can. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Would you like to elaborate on that? Sure. Sure. So, and, and it actually relates to COVID and I know you and I haven't shared this, but I'll tell you a little bit about how this got started. So uh, during COVID, everybody's working at home. My wife and I are no exception to that. And uh, she decided to, to embark on getting her CPA. And that's about like getting your law degree. If, if, if those of you in the industry are familiar with it, it's, wow. it's uh, studying for, I think it's three or four tests, which are uh, each basically a day long and you got to know your stuff. And so when I would say things like, hey, honey, let's, uh, let's go ride bikes. Let's go out for a date. She says, you better figure out something else to do with your time, mister, because I've got to study for this test. So I, I thought about it and like everybody else kind of locked down. So I started thinking about some other things I've done. I read a book called uh, Make Your Bed by Admiral McRaven, former head of the SEALs, also former head of all special forces, and then later on chancellor of uh, University of Texas. I, I've watched his speeches. Exactly. So if yes. you watch his speech, you'll see that's, that's an incredible read. It's a very short read, which I also liked. And so I took that book back to my, when I just started Huntsman, get, read through my team and, and the whole purchasing department ended up reading it later on, including senior management, just some good life lessons there. And I said to myself, why couldn't we have make your bed for purchasing? So that's exactly what I did. I wrote, put together manuscripts, sent around to some of my former bosses and and, and supply chain professionals, even Tom Derry, who is the global CEO of ISM, and said, what do you think? Do I have anything here? And he said, absolutely, to the point where he endorsed it. So what I ended up with is this book right here, Control What You Can. Very awesome. short book, very thin book, but also right to the point. Basically talks about lessons I've learned and things that I would recommend. Less, chapter one is clear requirements. When you think about things that have gone wrong in any kind of major or small sourcing exercise, you can trace it all back a lot of times to the supplier, the engineer, the customer, your team didn't understand what was required. And it's not just one conversation, it's, it's, it's several. The example I use is very simple. When my, my daughter was still at home, I'd say, honey, you need to be home at a reasonable time. That's failure. That's setting us up for failure. She may think it's 2.30. I may think it's 10.30. Let's talk about it. Let's debate about it. Let's argue about it. But right. let's let's understand what's going to happen at 12 or whatever it is we agree with if somebody isn't home or those type of things. You can apply this to your spouse, your dog, your kid, your supplier, your engineer, your team. When I, I teach this, this book and this class at Texas A&M, University of Houston, and several other conferences. I'm heading down to the downstream conference here in, uh, in oh, June. I've been invited down to, down to talk about it there and, and talk about it at that conference and a logistics conference. But when I talk to students, I say, your professor, if he or she gives you an assignment for that's, and gives you two months to do it, the time to say, I don't understand what's required is not the day before it's due. Same thing in business, same thing with suppliers and those kind of things. And a big part of this relationships as well. I need to have a relationship with my team or I'm giving them, if I give them an assignment or a request, that they feel comfortable saying, Peter, I don't know what you're talking about. Or Peter, this is, I think what you mean. And I do the same thing with my boss. I think this is what you need. Is this what you're after? Yeah, here it is. So simple anecdotes, two or three page chapters, 
one-line summary. So I've gotten a lot of good uh, good compliments. The, the two best I've gotten is from a salesperson who said, I love this and I'm a salesman. And by the way, these aren't secrets. I want everybody to know this. I want salesmen right. to know these, these things I've learned and take advantage of. And from my mother-in-law, she read it and said, I don't know anything about purchasing, but these are life lessons. So that, that was a bit of a feather in the cap too. Yeah. I mean, if a salesperson and then if a ben, if your mother-in-law compliments you, that's always a plus. That's always a plus in my book. Well, I've got several global leaders, global supply chain folks, again, including Tom Derry and and several other folks at Exxon and, and major companies have have had me speak and talk about the book at, at those areas too. So, very positive. It's 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 one of my passions to be able to share those things. That's awesome. So, I'm just gonna wrap it up here, but I think this has been. It's been enlightening. I mean, I love the stories that you have going back to COVID and, and also how you got into becoming an author, you know? Yeah. So that's good stuff. How can people find the book and how can they get in touch with you? Well, absolutely. Easy as pie. Just, uh, just log on to Amazon and you can find it. Control what you can. Peter Dill, you can find a hard copy. You can find a soft copy. If you want to see see one of my presentations, just find me on LinkedIn. I've got a, a video presenting uh, presenting the talk and those kind of things. I'm happy to come share that with teams or groups or students or those type of things because I really believe these lessons. And and I'll tell you right now, they're not because of all those things I did right. I just want to share share those things where from the Navy, from my family, from business, and those things that that other others can take advantage of. Yeah, yeah, it's paying it forward, right? That's absolutely right. And I I can relate to the same, right? And so fantastic, Peter. Thanks so much. And, and everybody go to Amazon, control what you can by Peter Dill. I will leave a link in the show notes so sure. that you can get it, whether it's on the, the Apple podcast or, or on this Google podcast, uh, but control what you can on amazon.com by Peter Dill. Peter, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing your, your wisdom and experience and as ever, as always, everybody, we are sponsored by Bridgestone Capital. That is passive income for supply chain professionals. If you want to get in touch, chainvestor.pro and download that ebook. Thanks so much. And, and I look forward to being in touch and congrats on the book. All right. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap on this episode of Chain Reaction tales from the supply chain frontline. We hope you enjoyed diving deep into the world of international trade, supply chain, and global logistics with us. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on our next episode of Chain Reaction.